Welcome to the Five Yard Halo, a special interview edition. Jack Moore, Alfred Green with you. Alfred, we got a chance to talk to a former CFL most outstanding offensive lineman, a few times as an all-star in the league, Derek Dennis, who's been making a lot of news in the last week, uh, obviously getting released from Calgary, uh, entering into retirement, and we got a chance to talk to him about everything that's going on about the league, and it was a great chat. Yeah, honestly, it was probably one of the best chats you know we've had as a podcast um just just a great guy over all around you know gave us so much of his time told us so much of the things you know he even gave us some of his kryptonites on as an offensive lineman which was pretty cool to you know hear as a defensive lineman myself but yeah it was just an awesome conversation and you know hopefully we have more with him oh man i i, I can't wait to talk to that guy more he was awesome one of the big things that i took away was like I, for myself, like I have a lot of like self-doubt when I do stuff. It's like, did I do that right? Was that good? I love how he's just like, man, I'm the best at what I do. If you beat me once, you're not going to beat me again. Like, and I'm the guy. I'm him, right? Like, I don't care yeah. who you are. I don't care that you're Willie Jefferson. I don't care who the hell you think you are. I'm the guy. You got to beat me and you got to prove that you're better than me. And that's one of the big takeaways is like that mindset is is part of the reason why he's so good at what he does or he was so good at what he did um because he had that mindset every time he stepped on the field yeah and for sure i mean like the resume backs it all up but like you know you can't name five guys off the top of your mind that's better than at his position right now currently in the league as well so um yeah just all around great guy like i said and it just it was a it was great to get his perspective on a lot of things that are you know especially when he was talking about the you know the calgary salary cap and how they spend and you know just a really knowledgeable guy and he's just really still in tune with the league even though he's retired you know he's talking about how he's on phone calls talking about what's you know updating him and sean lemon about what's going on in the league and whatnot so it was just yeah awesome awesome to talk to great convo yeah, and he's still upset about the play calling at the end of the Great Cup in 2016, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Like, I love that guys are that, you know, they're not like, ah, I put it behind me, I don't think about it. It's like, it's still, it's still, like, he probably wakes up with night terrors sometimes and still says, like, God damn, why didn't we just give the ball to Jerome? Like, he <laughs> just just give the ball to Jerome and put him behind me and let him score. Yeah. Uh, we won't we won't spoil too much of the interview, so let's get to it. Here is former most outstanding offensive lineman in the CFL, Derek Dennis, on the five yard halo. Oh yeah! We now welcome on Derek Dennis. Derek, thanks so much for joining us. The Bone Crusher. This guy was the CFL most outstanding offensive lineman in 2016. Two time CFL All Star, four time CFL West All Star. Derek, thanks for joining us, and uh, how you enjoying retirement? I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Um, retirement is so far so good. It's still early. I did it a couple, what, four days ago, so it's still kind of fresh. But, um, yeah, honestly, man, it's just like a heavy uh, weight lifted off my shoulders, to be honest, because um, the stress of, of pro, pro athlete life is, is a lot of, which a lot of people don't understand, is, is tough, especially when, like myself, I got a family, I got three young kids, I got people that, you know, pr depend on me to provide for them. So um, that's part of the big reason why I just retired because I just got tired of dealing with the politics of pro sports and all that stuff and you know having to deal with you know my my income being affected by people who don't you know who don't do what I do so um I just figured you know what let's move on to the next phase of life I'm a smart guy I got my college degree let's 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 uh let's let's get things going so your story is different too because you know you you walked away from the CFL in 2020 to go to the XFL Obviously, the pandemic shut that down. You went to Edmonton in 2021, then you ended up back with Calgary. The jumping around, like, people always talk about how difficult it is when stuff yeah. like that happens. But, like, what like what goes through your mind, like, from the, the pandemic shutting your team down and, and your job, like, canceling your job because the league folded, um, yeah. and then just the situation with Edmonton and then going back to Calgary, like, how how actually does it impact you and make it so difficult when it's jumping around and, and the unknown is is out there well, well here's the here's the truth behind it i didn't want to go to the xfl i really went to the xfl because i had no choice because cfl teams were basically telling me like they didn't want to pay me what i was worth like i was an all-star repeatedly i had a resume i had that mol 
and there guys like Stanley Bryant and like Joel Figueroa, like those guys were getting were getting paid like what they're worth to be a mm-hmm. lockdown left tackle. And every time I was going to teams and saying, "Hey, I want to be in that range," people were like, "Oh, I don't know if we want to spend that type of money on an old lineman." But I'm like, that's the most important position on your team outside the quarterback because yeah, you could spend a bunch of money on your quarterback, but if he can't stay on his feet, if he can't have the time to make throws, then you know how good is your offense going to be? So, um. Calgary decided they didn't want to pay me or they didn't want to pay me what I was worth. So I went to go look for it elsewhere. Everybody else wanted me, but nobody wanted to pay me what I was worth. So I was like, forget it. Um, You know, my agent called up. He knew the uh, director of player personnel XFL. He was like, Derek Dennis is available. Oh, hell yeah. Like, we'll we'll give him money. We'll give him whatever he wants to come play type of thing. So that's why I actually went to go. It was good, man. I liked it. Honestly, if if COVID never shut it down, I probably would have stayed there, and I probably would have never came back to Canada. But, um, yeah, I know things just kind of transpired. Uh, COVID happened. Football was kind of shut down. There was no other leagues of playing. CFL canceled. So um, the the gift and the curse in it was that it forced me to start thinking about uh, life after the game. And I started working and doing things. And actually, my life kind of improved without football. So, like, I was able to, like, you know, work a job. And once I got a job, you know, credit was good. I was able to buy a house, buy cars, like, do all the stuff that I wanted, that you always want to do, right? I mean, it's called a spade of space. CFL players, unless you're a quarterback, you don't make enough money to really do the things that you expect of a pro athlete. So, um, yeah, I mean, the bouncing around was just more like I love playing football. I wanted to play. And I was just going wherever anybody was going to, you know, take me and let me let me show off my talents. So that's pretty much kind of been my whole career. And, and the crazy part is, like, even the situation I'm in now, like, I was an all-star last season. You know, I was I, – if I didn't get hurt, I probably would have got my second MOL. So it's like – and I'm not even on – I'm not even on a team right now. You know, so the team cut me. Like, so that's the – that's the weird politics of the game that you – that a lot of people just don't expect. It's like – I was it a guy that was a top I'm, I was a top 50 player in the league and I wasn't even on the team. I just got cut type of thing. So it's like it's weird, man. It's a lot of stuff that you got to deal with that you got to, you know, especially for us American guys. We don't just deal with being away in another country for six months. We got to deal with exchange rates. We got to deal with all types of stuff. Like it's just I gained so much off the field that, you know, for me, it was just like, you know, I, I just wanted to play football because I love the game. I love to be able to show off my talents. And that's what I what I wanted to do. And I got to the point where I was just like, you know, now it was like, you know what? I think I did enough. There's really nothing else for me to prove. I won championships. I was, like you said, I won MOLs. I was an all-star. So I feel like I got a chance to show off my talents enough that, you know, it's time to move on to that next phase of life. So I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of my career. Yeah, it didn't go the way I, I wanted it to, the way I expected it to. Like, in my mind, I should have been a 10-year NFL vet, all-pro, that type of stuff. Like, I had the ability to do that type of stuff. But it just didn't work that way because – there's a lot of things that's out of your control outside of what you do on the field, like a lot of politics involved in the game. So, I mean, um, yeah, from that standpoint, man, I feel like, you know, I got a chance to show off my talents, and that's that's all I could ask for. So you, you talked about, like, you all-star last year. If you didn't get hurt, everything kind of went your way. Um, but when you have that feeling and then, you know, the money doesn't come, you talked about that, and then the opportunities to go to the NFL – how tough is it to push through that and try and keep going? Like as a player, you're, you're three, four, five years in, and it's like, I'm getting better. I'm playing at the top of my game and nobody feels like they appreciate me. Yeah, man. It's tough. It's tough mentally. And that's the hardest thing. Like you always hear, you know, cliche phrases about mental toughness and stuff like that. And honestly, being a pro football player, you got to be mentally tough to kind of fight through a lot of no's till you get a yes. And even sometimes when you do get the yes, there's always going to be one person in the room that's still saying no type of thing. So there's a lot of people who's in control of your, your future and how things go. And and if they don't want to, you know, do it a certain way, if it doesn't make sense to them business wise. Right. And I think a lot of that, a lot of the flack that I've been getting has been due to like, like you said, in 2021, when I signed with Edmonton and I decided not to go play just because, I didn't like the I didn't like the way the G I was dealing with the GM. I didn't like the the trajectory of moves they was making. And I've always been a player who I try to be knowledgeable in the business that I'm in. Like I don't I don't I, I look past just being able to put a helmet and shoulder pads on and saying I'm a pro football player. Like I look at the overall aspect of things. So I think a lot of times people were just scared of me because I was just, you know, I was I was smart enough to say no if it was something I wasn't comfortable with. 
And a lot of times coaches and front office people, they don't want to deal with a player who's, who has the, the nuts to tell them no. So um, that's, that's just kind of, I think, what it's, what it's been for me and why I've had such an up and down and bouncing around type of trajectory because I'm not just a guy who's just going to do, yes, coach, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Like, no, if you ask me to jump off a bridge, I'm going to ask you what, is, what benefit is it to me for me to jump <laughs> off this bridge? No, for sure. And that makes total sense. And, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody can blame you for not wanting to go to Edmonton. I mean, we've seen the <laughs> lack of success that they've had. And even through the start of this year, right, they're 0-2. They've scored 13 points in two games. And they spent, you know, going back to the part where nobody wants to spend money on offensive linemen, they spent over a million dollars in salary on receivers. But, you know, they can't get the receivers the ball because they're not built. They're built from the outside in when, you know, realistically, you should probably build from the outside or inside Inside out. out. Yeah. Honestly, so here's my thing with that, right? If you pay attention to pro football, coaches are always recycled, right? A coach could be in one place and he could be terrible. Team could be bad. They could do bad. He could get fired. And someone else will hire him the very next day and think that he's going to have a better result in a different place, right? And it never works out. Normally that coach, um, I, I put a tweet out the other day, and I think it kind of, you know, sparked a little conversation, but I was like, in pro football, players make the coaches. Coaches don't make the players, right? Because we use terms for players called, like, use the term pro ready, right? When they describe a guy coming out of university or college, whatever, they want to coin, oh, he's pro ready. And pro ready basically means, like, I don't have to do much He's going to be able to go out there and do it all himself. I just got to tell him how I want it done and he'll get it done. That's what pro ready means. So for me, um, a lot of it was just, I was, I was a pro ready guy. Like I, I spent a lot of time in my off season. I hone my craft. I work on my craft. I try to be as good as my craft as possible. I take tidbits from other linemen. I used to watch a lot of Trent Williams film because me and Trent is around the same age, man. And he's a, he's been a hell of a football player, right? So that's a guy I kind of looked up to, right? I was a guy who would watch Orlando Pace film. I would watch, you know, uh, Whitworth film. I would watch guys who are pretty much coined the greats at doing a position, and I would watch what they would do, and I would say, okay, what what does he do good that I can add to my game that's going to make me better, right? So that's what's always made me progress as a player. And I was every stop I would go to. I would pick the brains of the vets and add something to my game to kind of excel. And I think that's what made me such a good player in a sense of like when I got to Calgary, man, I pretty much kind of rolled off the street and just kind of kind of just ran with things. Like I, I showed up, practiced for three days. I was starting the next week and then it was it was it was all she wrote from there. Like it was history from there. The next year, my first full year in the season, I won MOL my first full season in the CFL. Like how many guys, you know, could do something like that. So I've always prided myself on being a real cerebral player. I can learn a playbook. You give me a playbook, I'll learn it in 24 hours. Like, that's just me. Like, that's how I work. So um, I've always been that type of guy, and that's what's kind of helped me uh, be successful. And I was always versatile. I could play anywhere. You want to play tackle, I could play tackle. You want to play guard, I could play guard. You want to play center, I could play center. Like, that's what it was for me in college. I played all five positions. So it was nothing that I couldn't do. And I always made myself kind of like a guy who just, you know, the more you could do in pro football, the longer you the career you could have. So... Um, that's just kind of what it was for me, man. I was just looking for that opportunity when I got to Calgary in 2015. It was just like, yo, like, uh, like Booby Miles say, man, let, let, let Booby spin if you want to win, baby. And that was me. Like, <laughs> you let me spin. I was going to show you I could get it done. So that's just, that's just kind of how, how it worked out. Well, you did that for sure. I wanted to ask you about like your college career and then transitioning to pro, because I'm glad you mentioned that you played all five spots. Because it seems like when you were in college, and I haven't watched all your college games, sorry about that. But <laughs> when, you were in, <laughs> when you were in college, you primarily played guard and you played a little bit at tackle and a little bit at center. Is that is that right? No, actually, I played it all. So my, my freshman year, I started, uh, I started 12 games. I, don't know, I started 10 games as a freshman. I played five games at right tackle. I played um, the other five at right guard. My sophomore year, they moved me to left guard, um, left guard, right guard. Uh, my junior year, they moved me to center. Um, and then we got to camp, and left tackle got hurt. So they said, hey, Derek, play left tackle. So then I played left tackle, and then they got tackle, got healthy. Then I went back to guard. Um, it was I had college games where I played three positions in one game. Like, I played the first series at left tackle. Then the next series, I went to right guard. In the next series, I went to left guard. And in the next series, I went back to left tackle. Like, 
Like it was just, that was just kind of like my college career. So I was always kind of the, for coaches, I was the, the, Swiss the, 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 the fix flat, right? If, if it was, if it was a weak spot, it was, Hey, put Derek there. He'll make it strong. We could put the other guys who could do something. If they can't play other places and they're good here, we could put them there and whatever hole we got, put Derek there, he'll fix it type of thing. So that was always like me. And that was even the year I won MOL in, in Calgary in 2016. It was the same thing. We had guys who could only play tackle and they couldn't play guard and we needed a guard. So, Hey, Derek, go play guard. We'll let this guy play tackle type of thing. I did it in 2018-19, right? We had uh, Ucambry Williams. Uh, Ucam was only comfortable at left tackle because he played it in college. So it was like, all right, I'll let Ucam play left tackle and I'll go play right tackle for, for two, three games so that, you know what I'm saying, until we get healthy again and I go back to my left tackle spot. So that's always been pretty much my whole career. Like I've always been kind of wherever the weakness is, put me there, I'll fix it, and then everybody else can kind of go where they're comfortable at. Did you ever feel like coming out of college that it was like a hindrance on you? Like it, it was. It, it was. Have you ever? Have you? Ever, yeah. Like you look back on it because you know you can sell it as like, hey, I played everywhere, and it was because they wanted me in the spot where we struggled, right? I was, yeah. I was the fixer. I was the guy who went in. But then when you think back about it, or you look at it from a different perspective, like as you were telling the story, my mind goes to if I'm a pro scout or an NFL team, a CFL team, whatever. I'm looking at a guy who I don't have a ton of film at him at left tackle. I don't have a ton of film at him at right tackle. I don't have a ton of film at him at guard or center. So, like, what point did you think, like, hey, this actually might be bad for me and not good for me? I mean, I never realized it until I got into my career. And the kind of the more I talked to people, it was more like a, we don't know what spot what, what spot to put you at. Like, some people, you just know, like, okay, he's a left guard. He's really good at it. That's where he's going to be, right? Um, I, I always got the, yeah, we know you're good. We just don't know where, where, like, where, where's your, like, where's the, where's the spot that we put you that we know, like, okay, this is where he's gonna, he excels at, he's good at, he plays it every day. It wasn't until my senior year of college that I played one position the whole year and I didn't have to worry about playing anywhere else. And that was, I played left guard and I played left guard the whole entire season. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a positive in the fact that I was a guy who could, who could be versatile and move around, but then it also kind of was a negative against me because no one really had like a, a home position for me. Like, you know, you look at some spots, you can say a guy like, okay, this guy's a corner, this guy's a safety, this guy's a linebacker, this guy's a, a D lineman, right? For me, it was like a, it was like a, we don't know where to put you type of thing. Right. And, you know, again, like there, there's pros and cons to it, but, you know, I'm, I, I always think of things now. Like, like when you're when you're in it, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this for the team. I'm doing this to make our team better. And, and I'm I'm better because of it. But then now, like as you get older, you're, you're kind of saying to yourself, hey, maybe, you know, that wasn't the best move for me. And you're always going to look back on stuff like that. Was there any moves in your pro career, like when you were in the CFL, where you, you've looked back on and said, I, I probably shouldn't have done that. I should have gone a different direction. I, I should have gone with a different option. Uh, the only thing I would say is is probably going into my first free agency after I won MOL in 2016. You know, I did like six NFL workouts. I was trying to go back to the league. Um, it kind of it kind of backfired on me because we had went to the Great Cup that year, so I played all 21, 22 games. And NFL workouts for CFL guys they pretty much start like two weeks after the CFL season ends. So like me, I played in the Great Cup. You know, body was tired, it was sore. I'm like, you know what? Let me take some time off. Let me let me heal. Let me relax. And then while I was doing that, it was like, a, oh, hey, you got to travel and go do these workouts. So I was in football shape in the sense of like I could play a game, but I wasn't in shape to do like a workout. And a lot of athletes don't understand like being in game shape and then being in workout shape is like two different things. Like you got to be able to go through practices, go through reps, go through games in order to get in game shape. Right. If you're just doing drills and stuff and things like that, right? It's, it's kind of similar to, like, getting ready for the draft, right? You're running 40s, you're doing all this stuff, right? But you're not doing really position-specific stuff, and that's the stuff that really, like, to me, that's what matters, right? Who cares if I can run a 40 in my underwear as fast as I can? Uh, you never know how that's going to translate to the football field, right? And I, I'm a firm believer in guys who are football players and guys who are just workout warriors, right? And the, and the thing with pro sports is – front offices and scouting departments they're so enamored with the guys who look good in their underwear and they don't really think about them 
in the sense of like X's and O's and, and, and 11 and 11, 12 on 12 type of thing. So that's where you always see guys who are always highly touted and then they get into games and then they, they don't look like what everybody was hyping up because, yeah, this guy's an athlete. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a generational athlete, but that doesn't mean he's a football player. Right. Well, you see it with guys like we live in a society now where social media is huge and, you know, highlights and, and getting views and clicks is everything. And, you know, guys will post their training videos and they'll post their one on ones. Like, how do you feel this is going to go off a little bit? How do you feel about offensive and defensive linemen at camps like uh, whatever kind of camps they are, but doing one-on-ones, no pads. I hate it. It's the worst thing ever. It does, like, to bad, me, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense because you build bad habits, one. So when you do get into games and you actually put pads on, your habits are bad because you've developed how to be able to block someone in their in, their, in a T-shirt. And I, I don't I don't really believe in that. Like, like now when I coach kids, I'm not a guy where, like, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not big on doing one-on-ones if we're not in pads because – there's no way you're going to know how to block a defender. And there's some guys who look really good, right? You can look at a D lineman and he's beating guys with no pads on. And then as soon as you put pads on, you're able to kind of grip those pads and grip his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Well, now he don't look the same, you know? Mm-hmm. There's offensive linemen who who grab and they hold, they hold, right? And then you put pads on and they're grabbing, they're holding, and now they're getting flags all the time. They get holding penalties. They're getting, you know, they're hurting other guys because they're grabbing guys and twisting and throwing them and stuff like that. And they're throwing them into the legs of other linemen and quarterback and that type of stuff right those are all bad habits so like for me i i'm big on technique i'm big on refining technique right and i'm going to work on refining that technique but you're never going to know how that technique is going to play out until you actually get into as we like to say when the bullets is firing and you actually got to use it in a, in, a, in a meaningful situation so um I, I i personally hate it i think it's i think it's kind of outdated i think it's dumb I think it's dumb to rank a guy five stars because he could block somebody in a T-shirt because who who cares if he could block him in a T-shirt when he puts pads on if his hands is not where they need to be, if his feet not where they need to be, well, then he's going to look like a turnstile. So that's just that's that, that's my, my thought process on it. No, I, I, I fully agree with you because, like, I hate – one thing I hate the most is when, like, a, a high-end high school prospect is coming up and he's at one of these camps – and they're in their underwear, and they're doing one-on-ones with offensive linemen. And they're like, can you believe he made this move? And look at this. Look how good he is. It's like, yeah, but put him, you know, put him in pads as a true freshman up against a fifth-year senior left tackle and see how he does, like in the SEC. You know, it's, it's a totally different game when you're doing that as opposed to going up to a, you know, a two-star high school left tackle who's not even in pads, who, who in pads might even beat him. Absolutely. I mean, that's 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 the reality of it. That's that's again, that's to me, that's the difference between workout warriors and football players. Right. First, second, third round picks in the NFL draft. Those are all workout warriors. Right. Those aren't really football players. The reason why you see late round guys be so successful in pro football is because those are the football players. Those are the guys who don't run fast. They don't jump high. But when you put them in pads and you tell them to go play football, they're dogs. Right. Yeah, yeah, and those and those guys are sometimes so valuable to teams when they go and win championships. Right? Think Absolutely. about how many times they say like this is an undrafted guy, nobody thought he was going to be here when you're watching the Super Bowl or the Grey Cup. And it's like, yeah, well, he's a guy who who had to work for it because he wasn't just given the opportunity because and that's, you know, there's another, you know, there's some schools I find especially here in Canada that um really propel and and push the the individual and the um look how we look this is our training facility you know we're gonna get you the nice jerseys we're gonna do all this and we want you to do that but when it comes time to actually playing they get mad that hey this guy's out physically me right and it's well it's football right you gotta hit you gotta be able to do that can you play in the in the trench and and a lot of guys can't when when push comes to shove yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's my favorite thing, especially when I play pro sports. If I see a guy who's dressed to the T, looking real pretty on the field, I'm gonna try him all day. Cause you ain't gonna come out here looking all swagged up and 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 not, you know, what I'm saying, not do what you need to do. That's my thing. Like, <laughs> if you're gonna dress the part, you better you better dance or be able to play the part. Do you talk yeah. a lot? Did you talk a lot to guys, or were, did you just I, let your play? I try not talking? to. I try not to. But if you talk to me, I'm gonna talk back. I normally, 
my, my, my actions speak louder than words. So me telling you I'm going to kick your ass is not going to hit you more than me actually kicking your ass and not saying a word to you. Right. What's, uh, what's, the, what's the craziest trash talk situation you've been in before? Uh, man, I've been in a lot. Normally, a lot of them have gone with, like, Simone Lawrence because he talks a lot of smack in games. And I normally, like, I normally don't say nothing. But when this guy's out there just talking, and it's like, bro, like, like for me, it's like, if you're going to talk, you better damn sure be making plays. And, again, you know, like, in football, you're always going to get got once or twice. Like, that's just happening. Mm. It's just natural, right? So my thing is, like, how do you respond to that adversity, right? Like, for me, I don't feel like I can get beat. But if I if I do get close to get, getting beat or if I do get beat, in my mind, it's like, okay, let me tighten up before I start, you know what I'm saying, talking smack. So normally, like I said, I ain't going to say nothing. Unless you say something to me and you get me riled up, I mean, that's, that's like poking the bear. You don't want me to get riled up because once I get riled up, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm on your ass from start to finish. It, it, ain't, it ain't no letting up. I'm, I'm head hunting off, off the rip, and I'm and I'm gonna let you know, like, hey, you better be ready because this ain't no once in a while type of battle with me. It's gonna be if you want to go sixty minutes, we're gonna go sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. Is Simone a guy you would like? You would get up for when like you're playing Hamilton and he's playing, and you're like, okay, you, we're ready. Were there guys like that, or was it you took this? You tried to take the same approach to every game. Well, I, I think I think what came, when it came to me, I think guys was getting more getting up to play me as opposed to me getting up to play them because, like, I used to talk my trash on Twitter. So, like, during the week, I'm the guy who's going to be tweeting you all week like, hey, you better be ready because I'm coming. Hey, you you you, you soft. You, are, you, you this, you that, you this. You ain't good. So then it's like when we get to the game, now it's like, oh, yeah, you was talking all that stuff. Like, now I'm like, okay, I was talking that stuff for a reason because I want you to know. We, 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 I'm gonna put you in that phone booth, and we gonna find out who who gonna come out alive. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like that that uh that clip of mystical that that right around. Is that you ever see you ever see in a fight with a with a with a bear? Help the bear because they help that the bear. Gonna need it. That bitch gonna need it. Help the bear. Yeah, I, I love that. Did I you love ever that. like walk off the field after like a a series and think like? Man, I I shouldn't have talked that shit. Like I, he, this guy's up for it. Like he was ready to go. Like I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been so loud all week on Twitter. No, never. No. No, it's not. A, it's it's like it's like D Hop say, man. I fear the only person I fear is God. I fear God. All, right? You know what I'm saying? We 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 all we all put our shoes and our pants on the same way. I I ain't scared of no man. Only only person I I fear is God. Oh, I got a I got a question though. I got a question because I play D line. Um, I play D line as well. So, what is like? So now that you're retired, right? Yeah. Um, what is a a pass rush move? Now that you could probably give this out, what's a pass rush move that would go almost like you know is almost your kryptonite kind of vibe? Like, what would work on you quite often? Me? Yeah. Not quite often, but you know what? What would get you good if someone had a good one of these moves? Like, what would get you? I would say for me, it would probably be uh, speed, speed to uh, like speed to an inside move, because I was a guy who sometimes if I got too geeked up and I wanted to crush you, I would mm-hmm. put you jump in out. the back. I would put myself in a bad position and I would lean. So if mm-hmm. you had a good secondary move to counteract that, and once you felt it, you 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 pounced on it, that was mm-hmm. normally where you could catch me. But I've always been a guy where I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. So once you catch me with it, it better hit home. Because if it don't, you're not getting that opportunity <laughs> again. <laughs> That's unreal. You know, like you, you learn as you go, right? Like you're not, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not somebody who's going to make the same mistake twice. If you hit me with a move and it works, now, now I'm going, okay, I can't give you that move again. Because now, now as a D lineman, you know how it is. Once you hit a move and it works, you like okay, I'm gonna go back to that move yeah. and it's gonna work again. So like, sure. so like the the uh, example would be like uh, one game a couple years ago we was playing the Lions, right? I was going against Odell Willis, who, who who's a CFL Hall of Famer, one of all time greats. He's one of the you know one of the ten guys who ever played in the CFL that got over a hundred sacks, right? He, uh, I was dealing with like a little Achilles thing that year, and my Achilles was like was like really like I had bad like uh, tendonitis in my Achilles. So my, my Achilles was really like, as the game would go, it would get really sore and I would start to limp. So Odell had hit me with a with his patented spin move one time 
and it caught me. And he almost got home, but he didn't hit. So and we got to that last uh, drive. It was uh, we played the Lions. I think it was 2019. Arbuckle was playing quarterback. Bo had just got hurt. Bo got hurt early in that game. Um, he almost got the Arbuckle on on that move. So I knew when we got to that last drive to score the go ahead touchdown. I knew he was gonna go back to that move because I knew in his mind he was like, when the game's on the line, there's always guys when the game's on the line they got their go to move they're gonna go to like I'm gonna hit this move it's gonna hit. So I knew it hit for him one time, so I knew he was gonna go to it, and so I was expecting it. So when he hit it, I was already sitting on it right there. Boom! I grabbed him by the neck, choked him up, whispered in his ear, "You thought you was gonna get that shit, huh?" And then, boom, we, we threw the touchdown. We threw the touchdown to win the game, and I was laughing. And I was laughing because, because it's like it's like I already knew what you was gonna do. Like that's me. Like I'm one of those linemen where I'm not I'm not blind to what's going on in the game, right? And I know how guys think. And like I like I said, if they hit the move once, I know they're gonna go back to it when it's crunch time and they need it. So I knew the move was coming. So I just kind of set. I set to make him think it was there, and then I took it. I took it away right when he right, right when he went for it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's 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 the type of player I am." So, um, like I said, if you catch me once, you better hit home because if you don't hit home, you ain't gonna get it again. That must have felt real good in the moment, especially going like like you said, like Odell Willis. He's an all time great, like a legend of the game, right? Premier pass rusher in the history of the Canadian Football League. Like it's not like you did it against a guy who was subbing in for him. Like you did it against a, a great. Like that, yes. that has to get you jacked up going back to the sideline twice as much as as scoring that go ahead touchdown, right? Me, no, no. I was all I was thinking was, Lord, get me off this field. I'm fucking tired. I'm ready to go home and crack open a, a crack open a, a six case real quick and kick my feet, kick my feet up. So like, I'm I'm like one of those guys. Like, I, I get jacked up for a game. Once the game gets starting, all I'm thinking about is, man, I can't wait till they get the double zeros in the fourth quarter so I can go home. <laughs> I feel like a lot of offensive linemen are, are like that. Is that like just because it's so physical? You're, you know, you're banging bodies with 250 to 300 pound guys every play for 60 minutes. Like it's just, it gets to the point where it's like, I am so physically exhausted from this. I just need to get out of here. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, especially in the trenches, a football game is a, 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 a one football game is the equivalent to being in 10 car crashes. Facts. So it's like, at, at, at the game, it's like by, at the end, you're so worn out, you're so tired. Like all you're thinking about is, man, I just, I just want to relax. So I, I, I want to do something that's going to take this pain away. Cause right now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Right, ice tub ain't gonna do it. I need, I, I need that, I need that drink. I need that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I need, I need some gas. I need something. I need something that's going to take this pain away. I need some to fix this. Is that why offensive linemen are just so over the top on first down calls in the fourth quarter when it's like second down and it's close? Because if it's third and inches, like, fuck, we got to get in the trenches here and I got to cut somebody. I got to have bodies jumping on top of me. I got to get on top of guys. I got to punch. I'm going to get punched. Like, is that why you're so emphatic with trying to get those first downs on the initial absolutely, call? Absolutely. I always tell, and when we get in the huddle, I tell the quarterbacks and receivers, hey, Go score on this play so I can get the fuck off the field because I'm tired, bro. <laughs> like, I, like if you ask, like, Reggie Begleton and, like, Malik and them, like, KJ, Kamar Jordan, like, I used to always tell them, like, hey, bro, I'm hurting right now. Get me off this field, please. Like, do what you do, what you do and get me off this field, please. And I'm sure a couple of times they went on a long, slow drive that really dragged out. And you're – and you just like every time you get back to that, you pieces of shit, get me the fuck off the field right now. Oh man, I, I I'll rip a I'll rip a skill player if you if you break off a nice big run and you don't finish it and score, I'm gonna come back to the huddle and I'm gonna talk crazy to you. Yo, you slow. You ain't got no moves. You you, <laughs> you that's crazy. How you ain't scoring that play? To your own teammates in the huddle. To my own teammates in the huddle. I'm, I'm gonna tell you straight up, like, hey man, you you slow for that, bro. You should have finished that. That's incredible. Oh, my God. Did you find the adjustment to the Canadian game difficult? Like, is that something that Canadian media overblows? Like, the the yard off the ball, especially for a tackle. Like, I feel like the angle is different a little bit. But, like, for you, is is that something where, like, you had a struggle with? Or right away it came easy to you? Took the words out of my mouth. For me, it came easy. But it is a struggle for a lot of guys. Like there's there's tons of examples where you see a guy come up to the CFL in training camp and like the guy's got NFL pedigree and he doesn't make it or he doesn't play well 
It's because it really is a different game. The new, the small nuances of the game makes it very different, and especially in the trenches. For a lot of D linemen, they want to get in that phone booth and kind of, you know, they want to rip rip through. They want to get on your edge. They want to get you in a, in a position. So, like, what made me good in the CFL is that I was really patient as an offensive lineman. I wasn't going to go – I wasn't going to go find the action. Like, to me, my thought process was you got to get through me to get to the quarterback anyway. So, what am I rushing for? I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to let you shake. I'm going to let you – I'm going to let you juke. I'm going to let you step. I'm going to let you jab. I'm going to let you do all that, and I'm just going to sit here and wait till you realize, hey, the ball's about to be gone. Let me get to the quarterback, and I'm already sitting there waiting for you type of thing. So um, what made me good was my patience. And, and guys, like even now, I was in training camp this year, and a lot of guys was like, yo, like, like yo, I love watching you play, bro, because you're, like, so patient. Like, you're not in a rush. You're not in a hurry. It's like, what am I in a rush for? They got to get through me to get to the quarterback anyway, so why am I going to seek him out? Let him come to me. Let him figure out. Oh, I just wasted three, four seconds trying to look cute and hit you with jab moves and shakes and all that, and now I got to get to the quarterback. So, um, for me, the the what made the transition simple was because I was a patient lineman. I wasn't a guy who sought the action; I let the action come to me. So, and I was always good with essentially having a counter. Right? I'm not gonna go two hand punch on you every time. I'm always switch it up. It's like a pitcher, right? I'm gonna throw a fastball. I'm gonna throw a changeup. I'm gonna throw a slider. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw different looks at you to get you confused because now you like, I don't know what the hell this guy's going to do. So I don't know what move I'm going to hit on him. And they're just banking on you waiting to kind of give them the, oh, I'm giving you this. Let me take it. Oh, I'm giving you this. Let me take it. Right. And that's what I realized with the really good defensive ends, the Charleston Hughes, the John Bowman's, the Odell Willis's, the Sean Lemons, those type of guys were always waiting for you to give them their end to take it. Right. So my thing was, I'm not going to give you no two way go. And I'm not going to give you the move that you're looking for. I'm going to make you think. And that's the worst thing you could do to a D lineman is make them think because all they want to do is go. And if they got to think, that slows them down and that makes my job easier. So you do you see it a lot with like newer, uh, especially like American tackles where they come in and they set too far back because they're trying to get all back the in the American game where you got to get back so fast. But here you have that yard buffer and the guy's off like a yard or two to the side. So you have a little bit more time. Like, is that a big coaching point when American tackles come to the CFL? Yeah, it's big. It's big, especially, too, for, like, defensive ends who are smart, where they may line up a yard and a half off the ball, right, and they get that that, that rolling start where Charleston Hughes was, was great at it, right? He would line up a yard and a half, two yards off the ball, and he would start moving and get himself going. And then most guys would just get spooked and be like, oh, oh shit, I got to get back. Like, he's going to beat my edge. And then once you went out to him, then he was, boom, I'm going to hit you with a spin or I'm going to hit you with a long arm rip, rip and dip. Like, Charleston, Charleston was a wrestler in his background. So his moves was basically wrestling moves. So he used to get you in positions to where he could use your, 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 your angle and your body lean against you. And that's why he was always good at getting to the quarterback. So once I picked up on that, then it was like, okay, all I got to do is, okay, make him think, all right? Another thing, too, if you got those smart D linemen where they see the running back exiting your way, right? So in their mind, they're thinking, oh, it's a chip. So I got to make him think I'm going to sell the outside, make him lean. Running, running back thinking he's going to get a chip, and then boom, I'm going to spin and take that inside move. I'm going to do an inside rip and chop move, you know, type of thing, right? Um, that's that's this type of stuff where if you're good and you understand the game and you understand the logistics of playing football, that's when you could really excel. And I think that's where a lot of linemen, they don't play that, they don't play that chess game within the game, right? They they're not sitting there having a counter. They're not sitting there having a I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw my right hand and hold my left, or I'm gonna throw my left, hold my right, or I'm gonna throw two, or I'm gonna throw a high punch, I'm gonna throw a low punch. Like that type of stuff is 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 the chess match within the game that you gotta be good at. So you brought up Sean Lemon earlier. Like, are you and Sean Lemon close? Are you are you buddies? Have you been that's talking my, these last couple my, weeks? That's my dog. Like this. Like that's my that's my man. That's my right hand man to the to the T. So, so you like, guys, we you talk guys have been going day. through some some stuff similar situations together, right? Like you, you've been talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, honestly, I was just I was on the phone with him before you before I just jumped on this with you guys. Like me and him, we Facetime each other during games. We call each other every day. We talk about the, the, you know, the politics, the business, the everything. Like, like I think me and him, our relationship grew based off of us playing against each other. Because I remember my first year in the league, 
you know, Lemon used to be a guy that used to always talk smack to tackles, like, oh, I'm going to give you this work. And I was one of the, I was one of the few guys be like, you think, you think, you think this is, you know what I'm saying? And I was, I was, I was the, like, I was LaShawn McCoy, right? Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, talk about that guy. Yeah, yeah, he was good, right? Yeah, easy work, easy work. That's yeah. it. Like, that, that was me. Like, so when I came into the league, I was talking smack, like, basically letting people know, like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm him. Like, you're going to have to, you go against me. You gotta be on your A game going against me, cause this ain't no cakewalk. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna give you no freebies. I ain't gonna give you nothing. You're gonna have to earn everything. And I think us battling and him realizing, like, yo, he really is who he say he is, and he played like how he said he gonna play. And that's kind of how the respect grew. And then from there, like, you know, our bond just kind of grew. Well, you know, it's it's good. And you talk about talking about him while or talking with him while you're watching games. You put out a tweet earlier. Do you mind if I uh, read it? It's no, Sunday ahead, night. Just just after the uh, Argos uh, put the work to Hamilton tonight. Um, and so Calgary uh, put out a tweet, and it's the Spider-Man meme of Calgary, Hamilton, Toronto, three Spider-Men pointing at each other. And you quote tweeted it and said, a lot of really good players y'all let dot, dot, dot. And then it's a gif of Will Smith from the Fresh Prince that says, you know what? Never mind, man. Do you want to elaborate <laughs> on that? You want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah. So... I know I know Calgary's business model, and they always spend to the salary cap floor. They never they never spend the money that's allotted the full amount of money allotted to players. And a lot of times, a lot of good players end up leaving Calgary because they just don't want to pay them what they're worth, and they don't want to you know what I'm saying deal with having to be underpaid and overperforming. So my that was just me basically saying like, yeah, the reason why Toronto's good is because there's a lot of good football players that y'all didn't want to bring back or y'all you know, you know, didn't show the appreciation to that now they're somewhere else and they're playing well. And with coaches who know your system and know that these guys could excel in this system, and they're like, you know what? A guy like Wade McManus, who was a special teams guy for us in Calgary, and now he's one of the best linebackers in the league, right? Why would you not make sure you take care of a guy like that, right? A guy like Deshaun Amos, a guy like uh, Robertson Daniel, a guy like Falarino Arumalade, um, like all these guys who are really good football players who just don't want to be in Calgary, not just because it's a great culture, it's a great system to play in, it's a great organization to be with, but it's kind of like I, I, I compare them to the Patriots, Patriots of the North, right? That's what made the Patriots so good is they had their set core players that they paid, they took care of, and then they just kind of plugged pieces where they had sitting on the practice squad for two or three years, learning the game, and it's kind of like, okay, you balled out. You want to get paid now? You go get paid somewhere else. We're going to take this cheap guy who's been here, learning the system, getting ready, plug him in, and then it's going to be business as usual. And, again, yes, it's a great system. It works, but it don't work forever. So you're looking at teams like Hamilton who got guys like Jameer Thurman, Fraser Sopic, um, uh, Bo, Bo Levi, um, like guys who are really good. Yeah, good football players who are deciding to go somewhere else because they want to go where they feel like they're appreciated they're compensated for what they can do and able to show their talents and not just say, oh, I was a product of just being in the system. Uh, you did have another tweet that I just scrolled past, and it said, Calgary Argos, I mean, Toronto Stampeders, dot, dot, dot. They look really good. What, what's impressed you the most through the first two weeks of the CFL season? Like, what are you picking up on as, as the season started here? Um, you can kind of get a tell of like what teams are going to be good and what teams are not going to be good. Right. And my biggest thing is if you're a good football team, you're kind of going to hit the ground running. Like all the years that I've been in Calgary, we've been good. We hit the ground running like 2016. We was, uh, 16 and 0, 17 and 0 before we lost our first game. Right. right. And we should have won a great cup that year, but you know, coach Dickinson pulled the Pete Carroll and decided to give him the ball to six foot three, 260 pound mess him. And running behind me and Shane Bergman, um, who was probably the biggest left side in the league and was 100 for 100 on short yardage situations, 30 seconds in the championship game. You got two yards to go score, go ahead, touchdown and win it. You decide to put in a third string quarterback and try to run a trick play and it backfires on you because you want to be cute. Right. My thing is, especially in playoff games and championship games, you got to let your dogs be dogs and let them go get it. Like it's, it's mano y mano, it's man on man, one on one. Go win your matchup. Go win the game type of, sh- type of shit. You know what I'm saying? It's not the time to be cute and throw trick plays. You do that early in the season to see what plays work. You know what I'm saying? That stuff works in the regular season because you don't see guys on a consistent basis. Game plan can change. You could throw you could throw them off, right? You get into playoffs championship, 
you gotta you gotta go with your guns, right? Um, every team, like my my philosophy is, every team got set plays that they know is gonna work every time. And when when the game's on the line, you want to go let your dogs be dogs, right? So that's that's how I feel in the sense of like you know championships are won and lost by um, you know you not letting your dogs be dogs, right? You watching LeBron James uh, down three one to the Warriors, right? In that last game when it's on the line, what you gonna do? You gonna go let LeBron be LeBron? You gonna let Kyrie be Kyrie? You gonna let them go win you the game type of thing, right? So that's kind of like my, my thought process on it. And, and also, too, like, you know, obviously that's like you, you want that situation, right? You're built for that. I want in this championship game moment, I want Jerome getting the ball. I want him behind me and let's go run it down their throat and let's score. Um, but if it doesn't happen, right, like it, 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 if there's a situation where it doesn't happen, you can live with our best players, you know, didn't make the play. We just didn't make it. Right. But but you but you have to live and die by that. Those are gotcha. those are the guys. Right. Those are the guys that took you to the dance. You got to let them dance. Yeah, you're not going to tell you're not going to tell Steph Curry to stop shooting threes because, you know, what I'm saying if you off game on the line, I'm going to put the ball in Steph's hand. I'm going to tell him, go do what you do and go win it. If he if he hit the shot, it's great. It's another added added notch to the history. If you don't, then, hey, you know what? My best player had the ball. He did what he could do. It didn't work out. Live to play, you know what I'm saying? Live, live to play another game the next day. You pro- you play with a lot of running backs over your career, but I'd imagine that playing with Jerome Ressam, you, you probably saw him wear defenses out more than anybody, just the physical size of 6'3", 260, and he could run like a stallion. Absolutely. I mean, I, I play with a lot of great running backs. Um, I used to compare Mess, like, I used to always get on Mess because Mess was a big running back, and he used to always want, like, to show people he was finesse. And I used to be like, bro, Nobody wants to tackle you one-on-one, bro. Just take your frame and go put it through somebody's chest and their helmet and tell them if they get you, be like, okay, cool. I'm coming right back. I'm going to do it again, and we're going to see how many times you're going to be able to actually stop me type of thing. So that's what I always liked about playing with Messi because when he got mad, that's the type of player he was. He was the type of player where, like, you know what? I ain't going to dance. I'm just going to run through faces, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to make you tired. I'm going to make you make businesses. That's why – um. I love playing with Dedrick Mills, man. I think Dedrick Mills is, is really good for Calgary. I think they need to figure out a way to keep him on the field because he's that type of running back. He's the type of dude that's he gonna go seek out, you know, like if he got open grass, he's looking for the safety so he can run through his face and tell him, all right, yeah, you made a tackle, do it again. I dare you to try it again. You know what I'm saying? You're a linebacker, you're gonna meet me in the hole. All right, you're gonna have to meet me in the hole 20 times. We're gonna see, we're gonna see how many times you're gonna wanna keep meeting me in the hole. Do you ever smack Jerome just to try and get him mad so he would play like that? All the time. He was actually my roommate that year. So when we used to get home, I used to let him hear it. Like, hey man, you better stop being cute, man. You better stop that dancing. You ain't just you ain't you ain't that you you ain't twenty two no more and able to jump jump skip and hop over people. Like, don't nobody want to see no six three, two hundred and fifty pounds, two hundred and sixty pound man running at them full speed. Like, you're gonna have to make a business decision at that point. And that's 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 what it is in sports, right? You're gonna make business decisions when when it matter, right? Um, and that's 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 what Diedrich was. That's why that's why I love. That's my little bro. I trained with him in the off season, man. I, I love Diedrich, man. I think he got a bright future, and you know I, I hope I hope Calgary utilizes him a, a lot more. Who is your uh, favorite guy to go up against, and your least favorite guy to go up against? I didn't have a least favorite. My favorite guys was always whoever was whoever was that guy. So I guess you could say Willie Jefferson. Um, I never had a problem with Willie. Willie, my dog. I love Willie to death, but I tell him all the time, you ain't never going to beat me, bro. That's just that's just a simple fact. Like, I don't care. You could bat as many balls as you want. You could do whatever. You, you could get as many picks as you want. But when it comes time, mano y mano, I ain't going to lose. So I used to like going against the guys who was basically touted as the best. Right? I think one of my favorite matchups, I would say, was, you know, Jackson Jeffcoat because he was one of those players that, like, he was going to bring it every play. And that's what you want, right? A guy who, like, I would have loved to go against um, uh, Matthew Betts again this year. Like, he's another guy I feel like is in that that realm where he's going to go balls to the wall 100 miles an hour. And, and, you know what I'm saying, it's going to force you to pick your game up and be like, okay, is this something I can handle or, or, you know, is he going to catch me type of thing. So those are always the type of players that I love to play against. And like I said, I ain't never shied away from nobody, man. If if you're the best, I want to see it. Did it up? Did it ever upset you, or does it upset you when defensive linemen have three tackles, two for loss, and a sack, 
and people say like, "Oh, what a great game by this defensive end." But like I, you know, like I went up against him for sixty snaps, and you know he didn't make the tackle fifty-seven times. I, I hate it. That's the thing. I, I I actually put a tweet about that, and I said the worst thing about playing O line is you can have fifty reps of pass pro, and you can win forty-nine, but the minute you lose one. They're going to say, oh, that guy kicked your ass all game. And I'm going to be like, where? He won one rep. But that's how it is. You can have, as a D lineman, you can have 300, 300 pass rush reps. And if you win 10 out of 300, that's a good year. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look at percentages, if you look at percentages and you do that by a percentage thing, you're like, that's not a successful, you know, type of type of numbers that you look at. But that's the downside of playing O-line is that you got to be perfect on every play. You can't have a bad – you can't have two – two bad plays. You can have one bad play in the game because now that's what I dealt with in 2017 going against Charleston, right? Charleston beat me for one good rep and all of a sudden people were telling me he, he he was eating my lunch in the game and I'm like, where? Like he beat me one time and then the one rep he did beat me, it wasn't even a sack. He ain't even get no sack. He ain't get no stat on the play. And all of a sudden he was kicking my ass all game. So that's the type of stuff you deal with as an old lineman but again, you got to be mentally tough. You got to have that fortitude I have no problem with saying, you know, if a guy if a guy gave me work, I ain't got no problem saying, give me a prop saying, hey, that was that was a tough one for me. So, um, I always like playing against the John Bowmans, like I said, the Odell Willis's, man. Like I, I played against when I came into the league, it had a really good golden era of defensive ends, man. Like guys who were really Hall of Famers, all time greats, man. So I, I kind of got thrown to the fire. So and, and I think that's what made me excel and made me good is that I, I didn't shy away from it. That's a it's a good thing. I got one more question for you. Um, I know you're retired, but if the right situation pops up, a team calls you later this summer. Are you answering the call, or are you are you telling them you're done no matter what? That check better be fat. That's all I know. You want me to come out of retirement? You want me to leave my family and my kids? I, I better be getting compensated for it. So, all right, for me, like I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it would have to be like you said, the right situation. And I, I mean, honestly, you know, the money got to be right. Cause again, I got a mortgage, I got car notes, I got, I got a lavish, uh, uh habit of buying jewelry. So I hey, need to those make chains sure are I'm icy. Doing. You're wearing right now. <laughs> I tell I you what, those are uh, those are nice. Yeah, yeah. I, that's 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 my that's my vice, man. I'm I'm a big I'm a big jewelry head. I love jewelry. I'm from you know being from New York, growing up in the in the jewelry district, man. That's something that that's kind of like a New York thing. Like we. We love to be flashy. We love to be braggadocious. We love to talk our mess on on the constant. So that's just that's just you know a product of, of where I grew up. Alfred, you I got a, anything else? Yeah. Um. So, you know, Jack just asked you, you know, if you got the call or whatnot. But say you had the choice to, you know, get in an O line group, whichever O line group it is, you could put anyone in there. What's like a a a, a great online group your dream online group to be you know the guys to go to battle with who who are you going to battle with for five I mean, I mean uh if i had to pick an online group i would probably say probably between bc and toronto right now probably be two yeah. teams that i would i would really probably look into joining just because um I, i'm a big fan of va me and VA actually got a good relationship man that's my dog i'm happy for him i'm happy he's in a good situation i'm happy he's playing well um, BC got a good team. I think they got a really good shot at winning the Great Cup this year. And I'm I'm, I'm all about championships. I, I don't want to go to a situation where I feel like, you know, if I was to go to not to say that Ottawa doesn't have a good line, but let's you know say let's say Ottawa calls me in there, you know what I'm saying? Oh, they're one in seven or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, something like that. Like I I have no problem with. I feel like I'm the type of player I could come and elevate a group and I could help you know kind of bring everybody up and teach them tricks of the trade to kind of help everybody improve. But if I had to pick like perfect situations that I would want to go into, where I feel like it's going to be a good situation to be in. I would probably say either Toronto or BC. Who are you picking to win the Grey Cup? It's early, but if I had to pick a favorite, probably be Winnipeg. I mean, just <laughs> like right now they just they just they just look unstoppable. And yeah, I think the biggest fine. thing for them is they're they're a veteran group, and I feel like uh, veteran laden groups are the groups that you want to lean on. The groups that guys that you know are proven they can get it done, and when and when the chips is on the line, you go let your dogs be dogs. You're gonna let your defense with Adam Big Hill and Willie Jefferson and you know Jeff Code and and uh, you know all those types of guys. You know um, the offenses. 
I'm a big Zach Calaros fan. Like I, I love Zach, man. I, I think he's he's far head and shoulders the very best quarterback in the league. And as long as he's healthy, I, I don't think there's a defense that he can't shred up. You know what I'm saying? And they got a really good veteran laden O line. Jamarcus Hardrick is a really good tackle. Stanley is Stanley. Everybody knows Stanley is. You know, um, they, they they got a really good group, and, and they plug in young guys to kind of just just kind of let the old guys kind of mess around them and let them just kind of bring them along. So, um, I, I mean, Winnipeg is is the top dog. I mean, honestly, if you if you go off these first two weeks, you don't really see nobody who could really compete with them. I think I think after what I saw from Toronto today, I think we may get a Grey Cup rematch again between Toronto and Winnipeg. I mean, honestly, in the East. There's not a team that's better than Toronto. I expect Toronto to win the East. If they don't win the East, yeah, it's a bust sure. year for them. No, um, for, for sure, yeah. Yeah, in the West, Winnipeg. But if I had to pick a dark horse, I would probably say BC. Um, B- BC looks good. I can't wait to see what BC looks like against Winnipeg. Um, I thought Edmonton might have a better year, but I mean, I- I'll take that back. They don't. They don't. They they, they look like they they look like they're like hot garbage. So <laughs> Alfred picked Taylor Cornelius to be the MLP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's over. That's 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 the whoever, that's that's done. That's yeah, that's done. done. For sure. That's done. Especially after that that BC game yesterday. Oh my god. That's, that's done. The BC that's game. Over. I don't even know how well it. Toronto's defense played tonight against Hamilton, and he's got to go. He's got to play them at home where they haven't won in four years. You know, like I I don't know how much leash they're gonna give him, but it, it's just it's not it's not set up for success there for him or with him. No, no, it's not. It's not. Honestly, um, Hamilton spent a lot of money this offseason, and it's not looking like it's not looking too hot. Um, and a lot of that is going to ride on, on, on Bo Levi's shoulders, man. Like he got, I mean, Bo is my dog. He's a hell of a player. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I, I know, I know he can still get it done, but right now, if you're going off of what he's what he's been showing, he gotta he gotta start making better decisions with that football in his hand. So. Um, I, I feel like he'll he'll get it figured out. Hopefully, Hamilton figures finds their stride later in the season. But if we go on with you know, if I'm if I'm gonna pick a Great Cup matchup early this early on, I'm I'm gonna probably say it's a Great Cup rematch. And and I think if Toronto can, you know, keep progressing and keep growing, this is game one for them, and they look really good. And I mean, Hamilton's probably their best competition in the East. I don't think they'll have any issues with Montreal or Ottawa. Um, I think they'll do really good against most of the West teams. Um. We'll see how they look against BC and, and Winnipeg, but um, if I had to pick, you know, three teams that I feel like right now look like they're they're serious Great Cup contenders, I would probably say Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto. Yeah, that sounds about that sounds about right. And I have one more question um, because again, like I said, I'm a D lineman, so I need a shout out to D lineman. What's uh, some young D lineman or some guys in the league that you see right now that you think, you know? will have a long career in the CFL or a successful career in the CFL or just guys who you, who you think will actually get the job done, um, you know, in the CFL? Like, there will be a, a, a productive uh, D lineman in the CFL. Uh, I would say right now that that, that, that young rookie in Winnipeg. Uh, uh, ba- ha- ba- ha- yeah, ha- ha- yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that boy nice. Yeah, that boy, nice. He 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 got some moves to him. He got a nice first step. Mm-hmm. He got a good dip on him. Like that dip he hit Joe uh, Figueroa with. That dip was nice. That that that, that was clean. It kind of looked like the same dip that flow that flow hit him with today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like him. I think he got a bright future. Um, he's he's definitely one to look for. If I had to pick another one, um. Yeah, I mean maybe uh, uh Jamal Davis in Montreal. He, he he looks like he looks like he he got some tools with him. He, he's a big dude. He looks like he Massive got a lot of power dude. to him. He he kind of fits that that John Bowman that John Bowman mold. Um, so he 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 looks really good. Um, he got a nice little long arm to him that that, that he he could work with. That's pretty nice. So if I had to pick two young guys, so I feel I could be, you know, up and comers. I would probably say the 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 young kid, the young rookie in Winnipeg, and I would probably say Jamal Davis. Derek, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for taking so much time with us. We really appreciate it. Wish oh, absolutely. All the best I appreciate it. Hey, I got a lot of free time on my hands, so if y'all boys ever need some some expertise to jump in and, and have some fun with you, man, hit my line. Hey, man, hey, I'm, man. I'm sure this won't be the last time we call. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Y'all boys have a great night, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk yeah. soon. Yeah, yes, thanks, sir. Derek. Appreciate it. So that was Derek Dennis on the Five Yard Halo. He got gave us a lot of really, really good stuff. That was a great chat. I'm really glad that he got to 
hop on and talk to us. And like we said to him, I'm, I'm sure it won't be the last time that his phone rings from, from us because we're going to want to talk to him more and more as the CFL season plays out. This was a special interview episode of the Five Yard Halo. We're going to be back later this week to talk more about week number two and especially my Toronto Argonauts kicking the crap out of the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Sunday night. The Edmonton Elks didn't score against the BC Lions. What's going on with Alfred's guy, the corn dog, not being able to produce <laughs> anything on offense? You heard us talk to Derek Dennis. Edmonton has put a million dollars into their receivers and it's yielded them 13 points in two games and they have a tough task with the defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts who are 1-0 going into Edmonton next Sunday night. So we'll have Troy and Josh, Malcolm, Alfred and myself later this week to talk about what happened in week two. We'll preview week number three. This has been a special interview edition of the Five Yard Halo. Thanks for joining us. Oh, 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 oh.